G'day folks, Chris McLean back with yet another episode of the show and in the studio today I have the wonderful Dave from Reform Digital. They're a conversion-centric digital marketing agency that uses data-driven process to produce the best return on investment for their clients. Their team of expert digital strategists build custom campaigns for their clients' businesses to help bring out the best in their digital marketing performance. I know Dave's all about digital conversion rate optimization, all that good stuff. And this has been, as we were saying, about seven years in the making getting this call <laughs> lined up. So super, super good to, to finally have you on the show, mate. Thanks for being here. Thank you so much for having me and sorry for the delay. No, no, absolute pleasure. As we were just chatting about, you've had other shit to do and it's been a, a super productive and a really big growth year for you. I mean, from, from when we sort of first connected um, and I think, as you're saying, we might as well launch with this. We, we met on Clubhouse, um, as maybe a, a lot of people have these days. And I jumped in a couple of your groups and we had a bit of a chat and we connected and then, um, you know, kind of connected over on LinkedIn and that kind of thing. And that was that was eight, that was when Link Clubhouse kind of first launched, um, really, sort of in Australia at least. Um, that was a while ago and we had a conversation of that and kind of came into here. But from then until now, um, yeah, you've sort of, been following you on LinkedIn and seeing your wins and seeing your team growing and sounds like it's been a, a really amazing year for you. So take us through the year pr- so pr- prior to this, how did this thing kick off and what's the yep. sort of the last, I guess, six months to a year been yeah. like for you? So um, yeah, the last year and a half has been an absolute roller coaster for me. Um, mm-hmm. I was made redundant from my previous agency. I was kind of comfortable with that. There were definitely some differences in opinion there, but it was kind of a really difficult uh, time for everybody. Um, we were in March 2020. It was roughly where lockdown had kind of come into fruition and everybody was a little bit unsure of what was going on. And I was in a situation where, you know, I'd work for agencies um, plenty of times, plenty of different agencies. And I was sitting there going, do I just go join another one or do I take a risk and do something that I've wanted to do forever? And, you know, I decided with a pregnant wife and during lockdown, let's give it a crack and reform digital was birthed. Um, I grabbed a few clients. I got a team together that could deliver and fast forward to now, you know, we're at 120 plus clients, um, eight full-time staff and yeah, it's just been absolutely crazy what went on so i think um it was one of those risks in life that you look back on and you go amazing that you did it but also what on earth was i thinking (laughs) why (laughs) why did why did i think that that was a clever idea back then and i think it was just i think it was just a frustration thing i think i was frustrated with the way that digital marketing was done in australia and the way that agencies represented the industry in australia and i thought i wanted to go in there and make a difference and you know, come across as transparent and let data speak for you and actually communicate and educate the audience so that they know what they're doing because we are in such a, you know, smoke and mirrors agency. So, I mean, it seems to be working for the moment and we've definitely come out on the other side of this really, really positive. Mm-hmm. So what, what what were some of those, uh, we can put some distinctions around those things. So a lot, a lot of agency owners have that similar experience where they've come out of big agencies, your Clemingers, your BBDOs, your, your big global um, agencies, and they've either been just toasted, fried, burnt out, um, had enough, or just gone similar to maybe what you did. Think this doesn't have like this. I love the business model. I love the creativity. I love delivering results, but I hate the way it's done. Um, mm-hmm. Was that kind of the, the the decision for you? And what were some of those those big things you went? 
if if I were to do this differently, this is what I would avoid doing. Yeah, absolutely. I think um, I came from the other end. So I came from the small business related stuff. So the agencies that are looking after a smaller group of people. And I guess the frustration came from exactly what you said. I could see it being a really interesting environment. I love agency because you're not you're not necessarily just looking after one account. You're jumping from different accounts. You have different experiences, different campaigns, different communication approaches to different clients. Um, but the way that it was being managed in certain agencies that I'd worked previously, I just thought was mismanaged and just going about it the wrong way. So some of the things, you know, like particular contract lock-ins that I'm not super um, happy about, I think it's really difficult mm-hmm. to turn around to somebody and say, you're locking into me for 12 months. Like, uh, why? Why would I be... Why would I be encouraged to lock into somebody for 12 months? Things happen overnight. COVID happened. Imagine if I had have joined an agency, signed a 12-month contract, and then the next day we went into COVID and my business was just demolished. And that agency said, well, sorry, you've signed a contract. You're going to pay me. So it doesn't sit very well with me. So that's something that I wanted to adapt. I wanted to have proper contract periods for a reason to show why we would be the best partner for them. Um, How you work internally, like I'm all about mental well-being and making sure that the staff get the best out of them and motivating them to be as good as they can be and trying to empower their position as opposed to drilling it into them that they have to do a certain thing. And I didn't think that most of the agencies I'd come from really kind of consolidated that the way that they should. Um, And then just delivery. Like, I mean, at the end of the day, we're all performance-based. So if we're not getting results for clients and why are they paying us? And some of the tactics and some of the stuff out there to get clients over the line, like misrepresentation of data, um, pure lying. Like sometimes there were just conversations where I'm like, no, that's what we're saying is not true. And the client doesn't know any better. So a lot of this stuff was kind of an ethical tolerance level for me. And I just wanted to go out there and make sure that I could have a bit more control over that. And that's what sort of sparked, you know, going into your own agency. And luckily enough, I've got a business partner who's incredible, who, um, shares the same values as me. We've got a really good group of staff who seem to be on board with what we're trying to do. And if we can just shift the industry to think a little bit more than what it had been, then I'm pretty happy with that. Mm. Yeah, I think that's a that's a, that's a great point and that's a really positive and interesting shift um, uh, that, that, that I really enjoy um, bring, both bringing to um, the industry but seeing change in the industry is agency owners that are founding their businesses on their personal values and morals rather than and a lot of people start businesses for business reasons. Um, but there can be a tendency, as you said, when it's purely a business thing, business tactics reign. And so just get people in, churn and burn. Don't care if we burn people, don't care if we're just make flat out making shit up to get them in and get their money. Um, they, that's not everyone, but the, because of, I think particularly digital marketing and digital marketing in the last even three years, 18 months, COVID, the barrier to entry is so low, which is something mm. we sort of talk about a lot on the show. That barrier to entry is so low. I can go and do a Facebook ads course in three days and then start saying, hey, I can do Facebook ads for you. I'm a Facebook ads expert onboard people and then jump into a Facebook group and go, hey, I've got a client. How do I run Facebook ads? which you Correct. see all the time. And I, I know we've had this conversation on LinkedIn, I think, a few times. You mm-hmm. literally see that happening in these groups. It's like oh, someone's paid me three grand a month to do stuff and I don't know how to do it. Um, but so like, is- like, don't, 
don't get me wrong like and sorry to cut you off don't get me wrong like i i I love the hustle from people that are trying to do that like good on them like you know everybody needs to make money everybody has a family to support everybody has their interests at heart and that's fine Mm. i guess what i find really difficult is that you know the the freelancer who's jumped in who's given themselves a little bit of training and trying cool you're not going to hurt the majority of the Mm. industry what what hurts is agencies that have been doing this for five years who have had you know, I'm going to say almost potentially thousands of clients in Australia that have just been mismanaged, miseducated, miscommunicated. Like I'm talking about scenarios in which, you know, I've had clients come across to me and go, all right, I'm really keen to start with you. Um, I'm really sorry to do this, but my previous agency has access to my Google Analytics, Google Ads, my website, every, every single portion that should be owned by the client. Mm. And they're like, no, the, the previous agency has all of those and I can't get that off them. And, and we sit there going, what do you mean you can't get that off them? And they're like, well, they own that. They, they made it all for us and they're refusing to right. hand it over. And I'm like, we're, we're now in an industry where people are being held at ransom for their own IP. Like mm. that to me yeah. is where yeah. there just needs to be a shift. And I get it. I get every industry is like that. But the, the example that I use over and over again, time and time again, is if I took my car to go and get um, to go and get serviced. And like, I know nothing about cars, by the way, I'm, I'm pretty useless <laughs> when it comes to that stuff. But if I took my car to be serviced and I left the you know mechanic and my car wasn't working, like I wouldn't pay for that. Yeah. Imagine I took my car to get serviced and then I no longer owned that car. Like it's baffling. <laughs> like you call the cops. Yeah. You would literally call yeah. the police and say, Hey, this is, this is wrong. They've just like taken my car yet in our industry. It seems to be like standard and seems to be like, mm-hmm. nobody mm-hmm. cares. Oh yeah. You just got a bad representation or you just got a bad agency. Like that can't be something that continues. And yeah, it's mm-hmm. definitely something that I'm trying to push for a little bit more ethical reliance within the industry. Mm. Yeah, it's a pretty interesting analogy. You take your car in and they put four new tyres on and go, actually, we, we own those tyres. So we'll, uh, if you want to drive it, you've got to pay us a, a service fee to, to use those Imagine tires that. Now. Imagine that. Yeah. In any other industry, any other example, I just use that one because it's an easy one to visualise. Mm, but mm. in any other situation, people would raise an eyebrow and be like, whoa, this is verging on illegal. In our industry, it's just like, oh, well, you know, unfortunately mm. that happened to you. We'll start again. And it's just like, no, that that's not the way that things should happen. Yeah. I mean, do, do you think that's a... That's something that's it's purely just clients still aren't educated in. And it, 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 I think feel like that's a weird word still to say that clients still aren't educated. They still don't get this. But it's very, very true. Even look at like major global corporations that still just don't get Facebook ads. They don't understand Absolutely. what Instagram is. And this stuff's been around for decades now. But it's, it's not uncommon for even your biggest global corporates to not understand how this stuff actually works so it's not surprising is it purely that lack of education for is it from someone like yourself who's coming from a more value-driven moral-based approach of you want that you want a sustainable long-term client relationship and you genuinely have their best interests at heart right so you're going to lead with this is what we're doing this is what it means this is how it works and be very transparent is that something that you've deliberately sort of brought to how you approach clients 
Definitely. And and we try to encourage clients to educate themselves because, you know, we can educate you, but we might be educating you from an agency perspective or from a, you know, from a very data-driven perspective. I mean, if you're in business and you're running a business and you don't know the bare minimum of digital marketing in 2021 when we're all in lockdown, like you need to go and figure that out. And, you know, I don't necessarily encourage every agency to train and educate their their clients i guess that's not their prerogative they're, they're really there mm. just to provide a service what what i encourage is people to get out of this situation in which it's agency versus client or agency versus business like mm. when we have that wall up it makes it really difficult for all of us to get you know work over the line and you know i i can be pretty transparent about my deals that i do because i'm the business development manager within the business um 90 of the conversations are i've been burnt by a provider whether that's an agency or a freelancer or a guru or whatever it is every single conversation is i've been burnt in one way or another and everybody's comparing notes on who's been burnt by who and there's reputations and stuff i think it could be all quite easily avoided if the businesses themselves had just a base level of knowledge. And I'm talking about, you know, I'll give you a really good example. The other day I had somebody call me and he, he called me and he goes, I need to be doing SEO. And I was like, cool, what's what's SEO? And he goes, I don't know, but I just need to be doing it. I'm like, why? Where, where, have you heard <laughs> where, have you, where have you heard that from? And he goes, all my mates, they all run similar businesses to me and they tell me i got to get my, get me SEOs up. He, you know, kind of boganish bloke from Australia. And I was like, I was like, all right, let's take a step back. What do you want to do? And really cool product, really cool um, sort of like e-commerce related business um, had real potential here for paid advertising. Google would make sense. Like Google ads would make sense. Like SEO would be doable, but it's going to be a long-term win for him. And I, I kind of just explained to him, I'm like, this is what SEO will look like. This is what paid advertising will look like. What do you want to do here? And he goes, I didn't even know they were options. He goes, I, th- I thought there were just SEO agencies and you just did SEO. I didn't know anything about digital marketing in a broader sense. I didn't know that I could spend money to make money. I just thought I paid you to go do some magic and that was that. And I'm like, that mm. level of knowledge is not appropriate anymore. That's mm. that's going to get every ad hoc agency throwing campaigns at you and it's like any mini money mo who am i going to go with it's not actually going to yeah. provide you a solution that's long term that's going to build you know a business with you um you know another example is that i'm talking to a lovely lady who has like baby a baby clothes e-commerce store and she's up to like if she comes with us she will be her fifth agency in two years which is just wow. when i first spoke that's to nuts. her i'm like I was really upfront with her. I'm like, you're a bit of a red flag to me because you seem to be moving from agency to agency. And then I took a bit of a deeper mm. dive and I'm like, oh no, she's just had a shocker. Like she's gone and then, you know, I'm not going to name and shame, but she's gone from like three or four very, very average providers over mm. and over again. And it's actually not her fault. And she's actually a lovely lady who wants to work with somebody. But every time she gets into a situation with somebody, I've got this contract and you've got to run this out. I've got this that you've got to do. I've got this, this, and this, and all these stipulations that I'm like, what, what is going on here? And again, she, she turned around to me and she goes, I'm so fed up. I'm so in debt. I'm paying out of my personal account to make sure I can pay this last agency off. Just please tell me what I can do to get the best return quickly so that I can get in a good spot. And then she's like, grow with me. Like this isn't a situation where I want a cheapie. I want, the best, most cost-effective campaign that will get me the best return. And then in three months' time when I'm in a better financial position because you've helped me get there, there's no reason why we can't expand this campaign out. And I'm sitting here going, 
all of these other agencies have just missed the mark. Like if you have, had have just done the work and spoken to a like a human being from the get-go, you would have known that. You would have been able to achieve some really easy results up front early. Like she's got a great product and a great website. And then you could have grown with her and you could have had her for the next five years as opposed to somebody being a quick three-month, you know, um, stopgap or somebody to grab some money mm-hmm. from. So it's just a difficult, it's a difficult situation, unfortunately, and navigating around it is tough. And I just like to believe that if you come across as ethical and transparent, you know, you normally win in the long run and you, you get that mm. good karma, I suppose. Yeah. I mean, it's, all of this stuff for me comes just back to not only business fundamentals, but just marketing, fundamental marketing practice, right? Mm. What do you actually want? Where are you? Where are you going? What's going to get you there the fastest way? Like that is the most fundamental form of marketing. But as you're saying, a lot of these agencies who specialize because that's all they know, unfortunately, they mm. come in and go, I want growth. And they go, great, Facebook ads because that's what I know what to do. Mm. Or SEOs, right? Great SEOs. Everyone needs SEOs and they pump out because that's what I know what to do and I want, I want the business, which is fair enough. But they, mm. it becomes this very myopic view of, this is the only route rather than someone like yourself that approaches it, right, let's actually diagnose the situation. What is your problem? What is your challenge? And where do you want to get to right now? Here's 45 things we could do to get there. Let's pick the one that's going to get you there now the quickest and then we can, right? It's a very, Absolutely. very different approach. But you've but that, you kind of, that, you've got to have that, that, that broad that, perspective, right? That takes time too, yeah, because like a broad perspective, like I was talking, I did a post the other day about niching, everybody niches down and I I tend to think Mm. that when agencies first start off, definitely my experience, you don't niche, you take on any work because you're like, I need to support my family, I need to get a salary, you know what I mean? I've got people to mouth to feed. So Mm -hmm. you take on all of this work. It takes time and maturity to be able to push stuff away. Um, We've got a really great partner and, you know, I'm happy to spruik them on a podcast they're called the digital picnic and they they're really lovely people they're a social agency and they actually push leads to us when they're at capacity mm. because they don't want to take on too much and they go these guys have the capacity to take on a bit more which is lovely for us because we're happy to take that work but also great from them to have enough enough initiative to literally say no i don't want to take you on because i think i'll underservice you like you don't hear that in mm. australia if if there is a warm lead in your pocket you're going to take that. These guys are pushing stuff away and being like, no, you'd be a great fit for us. But at the moment, we're just not capable of taking you on. And um, I just feel like you don't need to do that necessarily. You don't need to get to the point where you're pushing leads away, but you do need to be understanding of what your service offering is. I mean, we offer good SEO, but if you want really high level technical SEO, like you're at the point where you're four or five years in and you want to, you know, Mm. um, move that, move that lever ever so slightly, there are probably better agencies for you. And and I'll be honest and upfront and say, I think this would be a better fit for you. Same as like web development. We don't offer web. We, We tried to in the beginning, we weren't very good at it. And now we go, we have some incredible partners that you can do web dev with. We'd rather yeah. you go and get that great solution and then come back to us and we'll do the digital marketing portion because that's what we mm. know. Like, I think if agencies yeah. could identify that a bit earlier, instead of being like, we're full service, we do everything and then just offshoring it or outsourcing it to whoever they could just to get a buck over the line, I think it would be a much better solution for everybody, including the agencies and themselves. It reduces their anxiety for having to deliver something they're not very competent at. So Yeah. Yeah, yeah, and I think that's a that's a, a major point, and um, 
Yes, I think, as you're saying, when you start in an agency, this kind of divergent approach is really appropriate, right? This kind of divergent testing, let's go and test different niches, let's do real estate, let's do auto mechanics, let's do car dealerships, let's do osteos, chiros, let's try everything, let's see what works in terms of an audience, who do we resonate with, what do we actually know enough about to give it to deliver a, a benefit. But then also on the service side, right, SEO, website, digital, what are we actually, what is our zone of genius? And you, a lot of the times you don't figure that out until you, you kind of fail forward and go, we did websites, but we're not great. We did SEO, but we're not great. We're really good at e-com. We are brilliant at e-com and conversion rate optimization or whatever that thing is. That is our zone of genius. If we just did that, we will crush it for every single client. And that that then gives you the ability to have a sort of convergent focus. Now you know we are we do digital conversion rate optimization for these people, right? For this audience, for and that's a really as you said, I like that um, the terminology used there. That's a, a very mature place to get to, and that can take some time. But that 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 capability then to say no and build that partner network, um, I think that's a, that's a great way to approach it. Um, mm-hmm. where, you, where you just do your thing and then you've got other people that can do the the op, the other sides and together you help service a, a client in the best way possible. It's a nice Absolutely. approach. Absolutely. I like mm-hmm. it. So how, how in terms of those partnerships, have, have they just been people in your network that you've stumbled across? Did you meet them in on Clubhouse? Are they, have you <laughs> deliberately gone out and gone like who's, who's beside us? What services can we look at? How, how did you approach that? I think it's a combination of both. Like I've definitely approached people in the past. We've needed certain, you know, delivery, whether it be a particular website CMS that we need to find a good developer for that particular platform. Um, in saying that, you know, we've both been on Clubhouse before, which we were saying before was a pretty interesting experience when it first came out. We're both not as frequently using it anymore, but you know, I would never have had the opportunity to meet you if I didn't jump on Clubhouse. So I, I like the networking portion. I like presenting. Um, when we weren't in lockdown, I was trying to do conferences as much as possible and talk about, you know, conversion optimization or starting an agency or whatever the topic was and meeting people and finding people that kind of align with what you're thinking um, and vice versa. You find people that don't align with you and that's great. You both kind of have this ability where you're like, great, well, we're never going to work together. That's that's fine. Yeah. You know, steer clear mm-hmm. of one another, which is great. Right. So I think it's been a combination of going out and finding some necessities, um, linking up with people that I think would be a good fit. And then, you know, also just falling into scenarios where I'm talking to people and things have popped up. I mean, you know, we're a perfect example, talking on Clubhouse, getting to know one another, liking our vibe, may not necessarily be in the same industry, but we definitely have mm. good mentalities within our industries together. And then this has opened up a, a potential to talk to one another. And, you know, I would imagine that if any of us needed to refer commercial leads to one another, it's not a problem. Um, but in saying mm. that, the relationship is more important to me than that. I think it's good to have people that you can bounce stuff off and I think if I ever needed to talk about, you know, a little bit more mindfulness and a bit more deep thought in my life, I, I'd have somebody that I could reach out to and, you know, yeah. have a conversation with, which is great. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. And vice versa, I've got someone that can tell me that my submission form on my website's shit on mobile. So <laughs> I think we've had that chat before, haven't we? <laughs> we literally had that conversation. But I mean, That's again, it. again, very, very useful to have people in your network that know different things. 
Um, it gets pretty vanilla and pretty plain if everyone you know just talks about the same stuff. Um, definitely, again, which, which can happen. Definitely early days too. Like I, I kind of lent on a few people. I wouldn't call them mentors. I would call them kind of colleagues within the industry. But there are a few people that I lent on for information that may have, um, you know, may have worked a little bit longer than me in this space, or may have just had some really good skill sets that I wanted to try to emulate. And just being able to have a conversation and bounce ideas back to one another is excellent. I mean, my approach has always been, and the way that I speak is always quite blunt. So. I would imagine that sometimes that turns people off. Sometimes people are like, thank God, he's just transparent and honest. But mm-hmm. my delivery compared to somebody who might be a little bit more diplomatic, a bit more passive, allows me to figure out, oh, well, that's interesting. You've presented it in a, in a different manner and it seems to come across in a certain light. Mm-hmm. So bouncing that off the idea off somebody and then I've got other people that are even more dead to the point than I am. And I'm like, oh, cool. All right. I'm actually not as blunt as I first <laughs> thought I was. So like, it's good to, it's good to have a good support system around you and learn mm. from all of these people. And I think just being open to that opportunity makes you better. I was always a big believer in, no, that's not true. I'll admit when I was younger, I was a lot more arrogant. So I thought I was the bee's knees, but I've, I've learned mm. to be, a bit more respecting of other people's abilities. And I, I'm now a big believer in surrounding myself with the best people possible. If I'm not the smartest person in the room, that's not an issue. Like I should yeah. have really clever kids and I do. I've got a team at Reform Digital that are all experts that are really clever at what they do. Granted, I might be a bit more polished because I've been in the industry for longer and I might, you know, how to, pre- how to present it all a lot easier and a lot more effectively. But I've got these really clever pillars around me that lift all of us up. And I think that's really important. Mm. So that's your network, your employees, your family, whoever it is. I just think whoever's in your life, you need to have a really good sort of support stream behind you. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. And I mean, that's that's the, the classic saying, right? If you want to go fast, go alone. If you want to go far, go together. And that the, the, the lone wolf very rarely gets very far. Um, you've got to have that network. You've got to have, as you're saying, that mastermind to get different perspectives and different opinions and go, oh, particularly in the business that we're in, right, in creativity. Creativity isn't isn't sort of myopic, like myopic creativity doesn't really, that's not really a thing. You want this expansion. You want different opinion. You want to connect far-flung ideas. That's where you get the best ideas for campaigns and advertising and marketing. That's the, the gold dust in what we do. So as you said, surrounding yourself with younger people, older people, people that have been there and done that and might have a perspective of a, a principal that's worked for 30 years in the industry and someone mm. who's just come along go, well, I know how to crush a Facebook ad and set up a pixel and do all that technical stuff. Both are really, really beneficial. So you know, having that diversity around you, I think, is a, a massive part of long-term sustainable success. I agree. Like you've hit the nail on the head. I think having all those perspectives and being able to generate your own perspective based off that just makes you a far more rounded person. And that takes time. I, you know, I'm mm. 31. I've still got a lot to learn, but 21 year old me would have been like, piss off. I got other things to worry about. Why would I listen to this handsome gray bearded mustache man? Why would I bother? <laughs> you know what I mean? But now I sit here and I go, it's, it's insightful to hear people's opinions on things mm. and to hear, those perspectives it makes you think and question and and push your boundaries a little bit further and that's something that you know is pretty much um uh, you know a, a reluctant thing for people to do yeah but massively beneficial if you can lean into that and then you said that i think a lot of the time you want to aim to be the dumbest person in the room as as 
funny or silly or stupid as that might sound, but if you're showing up and you're the smartest person in the room all of the time, you need to get into some some other rooms. I agree. Is it because yeah, be, be, and that willingness to also be a lifelong learner as well, right? The willingness to be wrong, the willingness to fail, the willingness just to kind of crack on it and try something. Um, and that, that, that's got to be a massive piece of particularly what you do around conversion optimization, that, that iterative approach and that data-driven approach. Um, that's something that's quite, quite different and quite novel to when, you know, I was running a, a digital agency in the early 2000s, pre, pre-Facebook, pre-social media, pre-websites mm. you know, were new. Um, that's a massive piece, that data-driven um, customer view, something that's super, super powerful now to really get down to those insights and how, how are you you talk about being data driven but what sort of what are some of the things around that that conversion optimization side of things where what, what what's working what what is it what kinds of data is it that actually allows you to make those decisions and, and be iterative yeah. and be adaptable and agile in your approach yeah, I mean, I'd love to talk about CRO and we might need a separate podcast for it because I've gone <laughs> for hours, but you actually touched on a really interesting point there. Being able to fail is something that people really struggle with, yeah, and I've always struggled with. I've always wanted to be successful. I've always wanted to be perceived as somebody who can get the best out of performance and stuff, and unfortunately, that doesn't always happen. Sometimes people fail, people fall down, and it's how you pick yourself up, and I know that's, you know, kind of... Um, a way that people talk about it but from a cro perspective that's exactly what it is everything is testing everything is looking at if we try this solution versus this what's going to work better and it's funny because talking about maturity and talking about learning how to um to accept that i was running a test for a client an e-commerce client we were talking about free shipping versus included shipping because that's always something that's pretty interesting people who are paying $20 for a product and $10 shipping would rather pay $30 for f- and free shipping. That's always been a thing that people always mm-hmm. love. Free mm-hmm. shipping gets them across the line. Yeah, right. Anyway, we were trialing something and my wife was sitting next to me and she's like, she normally tries to zone out of my stuff because I talk about it constantly and I feel sorry for her, but she's just looking over my shoulder and she's like, oh, that's interesting. What are you doing? And I'm like, this, 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 and this. And she turned around to me and she goes, I bet you if you do this, it would work better. And I had this weird reaction where like, how dare you? Like it really hit me to my core. I'm like, this is my, this is my career. I know what I'm doing. I was like, I think you're wrong. And she's like, I don't care. I don't have a dog in this fight. This was just my thought. And so I sat there for a little bit angrily and I was like, no, you know what? She deserves a chance. Let's have a crack. And to be perfectly honest, we split tested it and her opinion won um, by 80% over the other one in terms of conversion value. So it kind did of gave me a Did you tell her or did you keep yeah, that to yourself? Yeah, I, I did. I gave it to her. No, I gave it to her. I gave her a win and she was pretty happy with herself. But I guess it was a really good learning experience for me to be like, well, I don't know everything. Like I, I have a good knowledge and I like to think that I have a pretty good understanding of conversion optimization. But I also probably didn't take into consideration that my wife was probably within that kind of audience that they were looking to try to sell to and to market to. So mm-hmm. I probably should have taken her opinion on a little bit more yeah. um, politely. But, you know, that's just a really good example that you don't have to always mm-hmm. be right and you don't always have to get it right the first time. So with conversion optimization, everything that we do on a website, and for those of you who don't know, conversion optimization is just improving a website's performance so that you get better conversions, whether that's 
you know, a phone call or whether that's a form inquiry or e-commerce, it's normally more revenue, better conversions equals more sales equals more revenue for your business. Conversion rate optimization is all about split testing little things, whether that be a button color, whether that be putting a phone number here versus here, whether that be payment icons versus not payment icons. The thing that's killing it at the moment, and you asked, you know, what have you seen that's recently working, is social proof. So reviews, testimonials, people you've worked with, um, anything that gives a little bit extra trust to your audience. So for example, we have a, we have a really interesting lingerie brand um, that's been on lots of PR magazines, TV. Um, it's like a glow in the dark lingerie. It's pretty interesting. I, I never heard of it in my life before until I came on board, but anyway, and um, they've got a lot of, a lot of PR and they weren't really utilizing that. And I'm always a big believer. If you don't say it, you don't own it. And they weren't saying anything on there about, you know, the fact that they'd been on nine news, the fact that they'd been in Vogue magazine and a couple of mm, other things. So mm, wow. we just put a bar reasonably close to the top banner, just saying as seen in and mm. just that one inclusion alone, comparing the data compared the two, we're talking about like a 30% increase in conversion yeah. rate, which is phenomenal. And mm-hmm. you, you sit there and you go, why? Why is this Why is this so important? And then you look and you go, well, their audience wants to hear that. Like they want the trustworthy nature that this has been on TV. Nobody would put anything on TV that was rinky-dinky. Let's have a li- little bit more of a look. And it builds that trust and then it makes mm-hmm. them think, well, okay, this is something that I could picture myself, you know, purchasing. So mm-hmm. conversion optimization is all about that. It's all about testing, expecting that you are going to fail in some regions, but the failure is good. That's good data to know, okay, well, this doesn't work. Let's go with something else. And I think mm-hmm. what you were to alluding to before in terms of, you know, it's not always about being right. It's about getting the right result from a data perspective. Conversion optimization is all about that. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and that's the fascinating thing is you can you can let the data make the decision because uh, literally an hour ago on the, on, the, on the last podcast I was um, we're talking around a sim- similar idea that with data you've kind of got this mechanism for making the decision for you or uh, allowing it's a shift from allowing sort of the, the old school creative director right when you're doing the print magazine it was like this is the creative this is the magazine, this is going to run for the next three months, this is it, it's perfect, and I am the genius and I'm going to construct it and put it, that's it. That doesn't really compute anymore, right? It's like here's what I think is going to work, but let's see what the market actually believes. And they said it had you just run the ad that you thought was going to work or you, you made the changes you thought were going to work compared to what your wife thought completely different results right so the the market is always going to decide what it wants to see and that's the beauty of um digital and particularly having having these data and the the ability to be adaptable and iterative and test 50 different things quickly and and cheaply it's just it's a brilliant way to to approach marketing and it's and it's so funny because this this podcast has come pretty much back full circle because we go back to the first point we were talking about with people being uneducated, like mm. um, businesses on the other side not really understanding. So when you get them on their website, they're obsessed with their website. Like they love their website. They look at it every single day. They built it. They helped manage it. They helped put all the content. So when you turn around and you say, this is bad and I want to change it, they turn around and go, how dare you? Exactly my first instinct with my wife, well, probably even more aggressive because that's their baby. They're really obsessed with yeah. it, whereas I wasn't. I wasn't as upset, but anyway. Um, and the the most interesting thing is that when you actually show them with data and you actually turn around and go, this is not fudged, this is not 
my opinion. This is not anybody's two cents. This is literally your audience that you present to saying this works better than this. It's pretty cut and copy. Like you can't, you can't argue it. And they turn around and they go, oh, okay. And then when you educate them about that fact, you're like, this isn't me just telling you because I'm an expert and you should listen to me. This is your audience based on the data telling you that this is the best way for you to go forward to be profitable or to be better converting or to be better presented. You Mm -hmm. notice how quickly, not only do they believe what you're talking about, but they start to trust you more. And that's where you build a good rapport and that's where you have a better relationship and that's where you can expand together moving forward. And it sounds so silly, but just that one little element, just Mm -hmm. turning around to them and showing them a piece of data that's real, that actually gives them some insight can be the difference between you and somebody who's just a cookie cutter, you know, agency or representative. So I just find that really funny that when you look back at what we were originally talking about, we've come to a point where, you know, showing data and being transparent actually wins out almost 99% of the time. Mm, Yeah. And what a place to to wrap the episode. But I think that that's a a major point. If we go into these things genuinely trying to help people and then we build tools and techniques and the things and we become not the expert in this is the thing that's going to work necessarily, but the expert in these are the things we need to try. It's a bit of a different mindset, but that is if you can onboard a client into that way of thinking, that's going to be a long-term sustainable relationship, right, where they, they trust you and you're not saying this is my opinion versus your opinion, your horse versus mine. This is your audience. These are the, You want to sell this to these people? This is what they're telling you that they want. So why don't we do that? It's a whole Spot different on. way of, very different way of approaching things. Um, amazing, Dave. So we've wrapped for almost thirty-five minutes or so here. Um, thank you so much. I know we could probably keep cracking on for the next three hours as we we could t- take the clubhouse approach and just keep chatting for the next three hours and not get any work done. <laughs> we're both we're both busy men. We got things to do. Exactly, exactly. We've got shit to do. Um, people to see about certain dogs and that sort of thing but um if people i've loved the conversation if people do want to find out more about you um hit you up get connected to you uh where is the best place for them to come and do said connecting yeah i think you there were a bunch of things floating there i'm pretty active on linkedin so linkedin is always an easy spot to get me shoot me a message um if you want to you can also go to reformdigital.com.au you can leave an inquiry you can call us i'm always open to talk to people and um yeah see if there's a solution that we can help with amazing amazing as always i'll drop those links in the show notes so you can go and pound one of those and get connected to dave and learn all things digital and just how he's gone about building his agency, how he thinks about running client engagements and and running an agency in 2021 and beyond. Dave, so glad we finally got to sit down and have a chat, mate. It's been a a gangbusters period since we first connected up until now. Wish you all the best in moving forward and certainly uh, you've got yourself in there and your business in the right frame of mind. You're doing the right things and wish you all the best. Thank you so much for dropping by. Thank you so much for having me. And guys, um, any content, any podcast, anything Chris is doing, get involved. He's a he's a whiz and a very clever guy. So thank you for having me, mate. Please, that was, wasn't even a paid placement. Thank you, David. I appreciate that. <laughs> no worries. <laughs> you can buy me a bottle of rum later on, right? Yeah, exactly. When we get out of lockdown, we'll have to uh, try and catch up somewhere. <laughs> Sounds good, my friend. You have a good one, all right? Awesome, buddy. Thank you. Thanks, everyone, for tuning in, and we'll catch you on the next one. Cheers.